Hello and welcome back to another podcast, uh, this time Canto 20 from Dante's Inferno. As always, I'll be reading first the canto as carefully as I can, pronouncing the words as best as I can, and, um, and then I'll give a brief reflection, uh, with the emphasis on brief, on Canto 20 um, afterwards. Now I must turn strange torments into verse to form the matter of the twentieth canto of the first chant, the one about the damned. Already I was where I could look down into the depths of the ditch. I saw its floor was wet with anguished tears shed by the sinners. And I saw people in the valley circle, silent, weeping, walking at a litany pace the way processions push along in our world. And when my gaze moved down below their faces, I saw all were incredibly distorted. The chin was not above the chest. The neck was twisted. Their faces looked down on their backs. They had to move ahead by moving backwards, for they never saw what was ahead of them. But then perhaps there was a case of someone once in a palsy fit becoming so distorted, but none that I know of. I doubt there could be. So may God grant you, reader, benefit from reading of my poem. Just ask yourself how I could keep my eyes dry when, close by, I saw the image of our human form so twisted. The tears their eyes were shedding streamed down to wet their buttocks at the cleft. Indeed, I did weep as I leaned my body against a jut of rugged rock. My guide, so you are still like all the other fools? In this place, piety lives when pity is dead, for who could be more wicked than the man who tries to bend divine will to his own? Lift your head up, lift it, see him for whom the earth split wide before the Thebans' eyes, when they all shouted, Where are you rushing off to, Emetherius? Why do you quit the war? He kept on rushing downward through the gap until Minos, who gets them all, got him. You see how he has made his back his chest, because he wished to see too far ahead. He sees behind and walks a backward track. Behold, Tiresias, who changed his looks. From a man he turned himself into a woman, transforming all his parts, part for part, transforming all his body, part for part. Then, later on, he had to take the wand and strike once more those two snakes making love before he could get back his viral parts. Backing up to this one's chest comes Arun's, who in the hills of Luni, worked by peasants of Carrara, dwelling in the valley's plain, lived in white marble cut into a cave, and from this sight, where nothing blocked his view, he could observe the sea and stars with ease. And that one, with her hair loose flowing back to cover both her breasts you cannot see, and with her hairy parts in front, behind her, was Manto, who had searched through many lands before she came to dwell where I was born. Now let me tell you something of her story. When her father had departed from the living and Bacchus's sacred city fell enslaved, she wandered through the world for many years. High in fair Italy there spreads a lake beneath the mountains bounding Germany, beyond the Tyrol, known as Lake Bernaco. By a thousand streams and more, I think the Alps are bathed with Garda to the Val Camonica, where the water's flowing down into that lake. At its center is a place where all three bishops of Trent and Bresca and Verona could, if they were ever to visit there, say Mass. Pescheria sits a handsome, well-built fortress, to ward off Brescans and the Bergamese along the lower part of that lake shore, 
where all the water that Benaco's basin cannot hold must overflow to make a stream that winds its way through countrysides of green. But when the water starts to flow, its name is not Benaco, but Menacio, all the way to Governor where it falls into the Po. But before its course is run, it strikes a lowland, on which it spreads and turns into a marsh that can become unbearable in summer. Passing this place one day, the savage virgin saw land that lay in the center of the mire, untilled and empty of inhabitants. There, to escape all human intercourse, she stopped to practice magic with her servants. There she lived, and there she left her corpse. Later on, the men who lived around there gathered on that very spot, for it was well protected by the bog that girded it on every side. They built a city over her dead bones, and for her, the first to choose that place, they named it Mantua, without recourse to sorcery. Once there was far more people living there before the foolish Calazodi listened to the fraudulent advice of Pinamonte. And so I warn you, should you ever hear of my city's origin told otherwise, let no false tales adulterate the truth. And I replied, Master, your explanations are truth for me, winning my faith entirely. Any others would just be burnt-out coals. But speak to me of those shades passing by, if you see anyone that is worth noting, for now my mind is set on only that. He said, That one, whose beard flows from his cheeks and settles on his back and makes it dark, was, when the war stripped Greece of all its males, so that the few there were still rocked in cradles, an augur, who, with Calchas, called the moment to cut the first ship's cable free at Aeolus. He was Eurypolis. I sang his story this way, somewhere in my high tragedy. You should know where. You know it. Every line. That everyone, whose thighs are scarcely fleshed, was Michael Scott, who most assuredly knew every trick of magic fraudulence. See there, Guido Bonatti? Si, ascendente, who wishes now he had been more devoted to making shoes, too late now for repentance. And see those wretched hags who traded in needle, spindle, shuttle, for fortune-telling, and cast their spells with image dolls and, and potions. Now come along. Cain, with his thorn-bush, straddles the confines of both hemispheres already and dips into the waters below Seville. And the moon last night already was at full, and you should well remember that at times when you were lost in the dark wood, she helped you. And we were moving all the time he spoke. So we are about to embark on uh, some funny cantos. Uh, this is not a funny canto, but there are some jokes here, which I have been sort of <laughs> silently laughing over here. Um, Tiresias is, it's funny. Uh, Tiresias is, of course, the character who... Um, is a famous soothsayer, and of course he's here because soothsayers and fortune tellers and anyone who made a prediction of the future, anticipated the future, and twisted the truth, uh, is is being punished here in this in this in this canto. But the, um, the funny story of Tiresias, who of course Eliot uses uh, also in the Wasteland, um, it shows up in Ovid and uh, Oedipus and so forth. But the story of uh, Tiresias is that. Um, uh, he was transformed into a woman because he tra he used his rod to uh, separate two serpents who were sort of having sex. And um, uh, many years later, he, he struck them again, and then he became a man again. And then, 
um, Jupiter and Juno actually asks Tiresias in the story by Ovid, uh, you know, who enjoys sex better, men or women? And uh, Tiresias answers, women, and uh, which uh, then uh, Juno uh, strikes him blind um, as if to punish him for the wrong answer. Um, I found that funny. And then, of course, uh, Jupiter then at that point gives um, uh, him the, 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 the power of prophecy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's funny. And there are a lot of other characters here. Um, Epipharius, he's a seer. He was one of the seven kings who led the expedition against Thebes. Uh, Dante clearly knew the story of Thebes quite well. He's used it uh, with Capanius and others. <clears throat> and then Aruns, who was, a, who was, again, a diviner who forecast the uh, Roman civil war. And its outcome uh, makes his home in the hills uh, uh, of Luni, sort of a picture of uh, a reason of like Thanos uh, after the snap. He kind of retires to the earth just to watch the the sun and, and moon rise. Um, sort of a pastoral image, but of course there's no uh, there's no peace here in hell. Then da then um, Dante goes on to uh, give Virgil uh, a very long account of the founding of Madawa, his birthplace, uh, Virgil's birthplace, um, which. Uh, there's a lot of textual ink that's spilt over this, but this is um, apparently in contradiction to Virgil's earlier um, uh, account of the founding of Madawa. And so Dante's, Dante's sort of, you know, response here is, oh, I believe you no matter what you say. Um, so that's why he, uh, the, he protests uh, that. Um, but it is interesting. This is a, uh, a, a it, it's starting off in a very prosaic way, you know, sort of now I must turn strange torments into verse. Um, it, it reminds me of the echo of, of, of Milton in Book Nine, where he says, now I must turn my, uh, now I must per turn these, uh, these notes into tragic, a tragic tone. Um, it's kind of a prosaic, uh, cl almost clunky narrative device. Um, uh, and uh, it's a pretty undramatic canto uh, in all. Um, but it's really meant to to serve as a rest from the uh, earlier action-filled cantos, and then uh, I, I would I would say the ones that are on their way in uh, in twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, where we get the we get the Malbolge's uh, demons, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have some fun there, and it's gonna be uh, full of uh, laughter and sort of a low comedy of of, of medieval demonology. Um, so Dante here, uh, so there's, it's, it's interesting that he, he begins in this kind of prosaic way. The description of the soothsayers, um, these shades who are sort of crying as they walk slowly along the valley, is, uh, but is memorable. Yeah, it's like a horror movie. Their, their chin is not above their chest and their necks are twisted so that their faces are looking down their backs. So they're, so like, uh, you know. Uh, Linda Blair, uh, you know, in The Exorcist or something, you know, the head turns uh, halfway around and kind of stays there instead of coming back all the way around. So it turns about 180 degrees, right? And so these uh, they're, they're being punished um, by uh, n never being able to really see in in in. Uh, they have to well, they have to move ahead by moving backwards, for they never saw what was ahead of them. So. By moving backwards, they're able to move forwards, but it's really backwards, right? So they've adjusted themselves there, but that's their punishment because in life they attempted to see ahead, whether it was on the battlefield or whether it was uh, just some uh, Tiresias or, or any other uh, character there. Um, uh, and, and again, this, this description is um, memorable and uh, the, the Contrapasso is, is memorable in, in, insofar as uh, remembering the 
the woodcuts of, of this, um, which I can post along with the with this with this um, recording, um, uh, where you see uh, this uh, reversal um, uh, to to match to match the damnable offense. Um, also, uh, Dante, we find, has uh, uh, regressed somewhat, has, uh, has, has failed to keep the lesson that he's learned about pitying uh, of the damned, and he pities them again here because they're, he says in line 22, these are images of, of human form that are twisted, right? So this, this idea of just, you know, the head being twisted is also continuing the trope of truth being, being twisted. Um, and so Dante starts to weep. He even he get overcomes. He leans up against the rock. And I tried to give uh, Virgil that kind of tisk tisk dramatic, uh, almost uh, paternal uh, voice there. Oh, here we go again. You know, you're still like all the other fools. Um, you know, and he has a really interesting line here, line twenty eight, where he says, "In this place, piety lives when pity is dead." For who could be more wicked than the man who tries to bend divine will to his own? Um, so, it's interesting. Uh, you, you know, uh, you, you could say, well, uh, okay, p piety, piety lives. Like you're supposed to, you're supposed to have piety, and piety is a, I would say, a, a deep respect for authority. As certainly, it, it comes out as sort of a. a, a a, a respect for God in this case, right? A respect for God's um, will uh, versus the will of man. It, it is interesting, too, that the soothsayers are not just considered to be those who made an attempt to see ahead, because I don't think there's a damnable offense in the attempt uh, to see ahead. It's more that the they claimed to know. They claimed to have knowledge that God himself knows. Uh, and so it's not just simply like, um, you know, meteorologists and economists uh, are not here necessarily. I say necessarily because they could be here, I suppose. But um, it's they're not. It's not just the prediction of the future with the with the, with the chance of it being wrong, but ra rather not just the prediction, but the, um, the sort of the assessment of the future and then teaching that as if it were the truth. So I told you it was brief, and I was uh, I was actually accurate. I, I predicted, and I was accurate. Uh, so I don't know what that means. I hope that means that I'm okay. Um, so, uh, but I do have humility with it. Sometimes I'll say I'm brief and then I go on for 10 minutes and other times say I'm going to unpack something and I, and I, I guess I keep it in the suitcase. So anyway, I am done. Uh, but, but please, uh, uh, listen again, uh, to the next, uh, few cantos. Next time I will be combining two cantos for the first time, canto 21 and 22 into one longer uh, lecture uh, about the demons there. There's sort of a connection there and followed by uh, uh, single uh, uh, casts uh, on, on different, on, on, on uh, continuing episodes. Um, so I hope you will join me. Thank you.